and you'll see that reflected in the pulse positions as well. So it's not really complicated pulse reading either. It's not like the 28 different pulse qualities, nothing like that. It's very, very basic excess and deficiency in the pulse positions that will show you the same thing. Uh, all by being in patterns. So this is really uh, pattern medicine. I'm Michael Max, and this is Geological. As a student, the thing that I most hated hearing from other students was the question, will this be on the test? I think it pissed me off that they would voice the thought that I myself was too embarrassed to speak. For myself, I saw it as a sign of laziness that I can see all too clearly in myself of wanting to cut a corner or not have to dig into and understand something that I'm having trouble wrapping my mind around. What I heard with the question of will this be on the test was, can I safely ignore this? And in a world that is complex and attention is limited, it might not be a bad idea to ask, can I safely ignore this? Where is it valuable and worthwhile to focus that limited and precious resource of attention and cognitive processing? And where can we safely ignore what's not essential? Another way to say this is, how can we better discern signal from noise? We run into this all the time in clinic, the way a patient might be going off on a tangent that has us thinking, how am I ever going to get this interview back on track? And then the missing piece that helps a diagnosis to take shape is revealed. But back to my annoyance with, will this be on the test? When it is being asked in the context of a class on Chinese medicine, the answer is yes, it will be on the test. But that test might not arrive until a few years later in your clinic, long after your teachers and supervisors are not there to help. And it's not just the lessons ignored because we couldn't quite understand it at the time it was being presented. In clinical practice, we are often confronted with situations that test us just beyond the edge of our ability. Sometimes we rise to those situations. Other times we fail. This is what tests our mettle as a practitioner. What do we do when we fail? On a good day, perhaps you take it as, I need to learn more. And so you go digging through books or engage a course of study that might help you to better understand the next time that you run into a patient with a similar situation. And then on a bad day, maybe it's the patient or the medicine itself that gets the blame. Those moments of failing the test are like the X on a treasure map. These experiences say, investigate more here. They say, look again to see what you've missed. They say, Hold your feet to the fire. Failures in clinic are the answer yes to the question of will this be on the test. It is impossible to be prepared for everything. Our mental maps give us clear perspectives on some things and they blind us to others. It's not our fault that we have blind spots, but it is our responsibility to do something about them. The medicine and our patients will teach us we will see where our perception, understanding, and mastery of our methods is clear 
and likewise where it's not. This sounds great in theory, but it's painful in practice. Will this be on the test? Perhaps it is helpful to remember what tests are for. In the context of schooling, they work as a filter to see who measures up and who doesn't. However, in practice, tests are more like a navigation device. They help us to check and see if we are clearly seeing reality or not. They are a way of getting feedback on the effectiveness of our treatments. Tests are a way to prove or disprove our diagnosis. And if you have the fortitude to remain calm in the storm of failure, tests are an advisor who says, inquire more into this. Our attention is limited, and the world has never been noisier. Indeed, we need to know what is worth attending to and what can be safely ignored. The question is, how do you learn to discern this for yourself? Because often enough, the teacher is the experience itself. In a moment, we're going to investigate the process of looking for reflections in the pulse and abdomen that will assist and guide us in formulating a diagnosis and treating our patients in a way that allows us to track the results of our interventions. Thomas Sorensen was introduced to acupuncture in a Korean martial arts center, and that encounter eventually led him to Japan, where he learned to attend to the maps presented by the pulse and the abdomen as a way to diagnose and treat his patients. Any worthwhile method will tune your perceptions so that you not only can reliably help patients with your treatment, but it will also teach you more about the fundamentals of our medicine in such a way that you can see how other methods also can work. We'll be getting into this conversation on Japanese acupuncture and how the organ pairings of the Sa'am method are reflected in the abdomen and in the pulse. These geological conversations come to you through the generous support of our sponsors and members. All the sponsors here provide helpful products or services that you'll find beneficial in your clinical work. Need to fill up the appointments created by late cancellations? Jane can help with that problem. Mayway Herbs is celebrating the 55th year of their family business. You're invited to make use of their vast library of resources. Concerned about the health of Mother Earth? AccuFast Needles is doing something about that. You can too. And later in the show, listen for a special offer from Andrew Sturman on diet as medicine and the folks at Blue Poppy share some thoughts on the safety of herbal medicine. Do be sure to visit the sponsors page on the Geological website to take advantage of all the special offers our terrific sponsors have for listeners of the podcast. Hi, folks. I'm Yvonne Lau, president of Mayway Herbs. Our family business turns 55 this year, and we wouldn't have gotten this far without the love and support of our community. We're truly grateful and promise you that we'll continue to work hard to support you and your practice. Please visit mayway.com to find the perfect plum flower brand formula or formulate your own in our dispensary. Our site also has lots of articles, videos, and herbal recipes for you to explore whenever you need a break. And tune into our podcast, Chinese Medicine Matters, for insightful discussions on all things TCM. Learn about treatment strategies and powerful herbal remedies, 
and enjoy bits of Chinese culture. This month, we're focusing on the treatment of various skin concerns like itchy skin and stubborn acne. And if you're a practitioner, get a discount on our skin health formulas this month too. Just visit Meiwei.com. This season and every season, trust Meiwei for your health and wellness needs. And as always, thanks for supporting Real Chinese Medicine. Change is never easy. This is evidenced by the fact that the scales weighing the number of people on the green side of change versus the number of people on the old, hard-on-the-planet ways of doing things are still way out of balance. Our planet is suffering, but our profession has an easier way to shift the scales. The founders of AccuFast Earth-Friendly Needles started with a great needle and then created our industry's first eco-friendly packaging and reusable accessories. They also give back to nature by planting trees. I encourage you to challenge yourself to make the change. Ride the wave of spring yang chi and make the switch by joining me and the multitude of colleagues who made the change. Now you can celebrate Earth Month in April with pride knowing that you are helping us to tip the scales of planetary health towards a greener, healthier, and healing planet. Visit www.acufastneedles.com to get on board. You've probably already heard me here on the podcast share about Jane, my favorite all-in-one practice management software that helps you to run your practice online and manage no-shows. The team at Jane understands that life happens, and sometimes that means your patients are unable to make their scheduled appointment. If that's the case, a quick and easy way to fill those unexpected gaps in your day is by utilizing Jane's time-saving waitlist management features. You can take advantage of automated SMS, text, or email notifications to notify eligible waitlisted patients that there's an opening so they can easily scoop up an available time. If you know you're ready to sign up, you can mention the show or use the code CHEOLOGICAL for a one-month grace period on your new Jane account. Visit jane.app to get started today. This conversation with Thomas reminds me that a playful sense of curiosity, a willingness to puzzle through the classics, and attending to using our own hands to have a wordless conversation with our patients, these are all potent elements of engaging the practice of medicine. And it helps us to ever-evolve our work. Let's get into this conversation with Thomas now. Thomas Sorensen, welcome to Geological. Oh, great. Thank you uh, for having me. It's great to be here. I am delighted to have you here. We are sitting down for this conversation today because of an email conversation that we'd been having. You're, you're not the first person where there's an email conversation that starts and it, it, it goes a little deeper and it goes a little longer. And the next thing, you know, it's like, wait a minute, let's just roll some tape and have a conversation. So um, I, I appreciate that we have connected that way. What's really got me interested is that you have, well, you first of all started getting a Sa'am treatment years ago. We're going to hear about that in a moment. Since then, you've become an acupuncturist. You've been doing this for many years. You do Japanese acupuncture with all that that entails with the pulse and palpation, you know, amazing hands-on stuff. But there's also some ways that you've been looking at the Sa'am acupuncture and how that fits in 
with the other work that you do. And, and, and I just love noodling through acupuncture. There's so many systems. And, you know, often people are like, well, what's the right system or what's the true medicine? And the answer is, well, it's all got something to say. And if you hang with it long enough, it, it'll start teaching you. So tell us about that first treatment. Where were you? What happened? Yeah, that was a bit of a special uh, experience. Um, I was in Seoul, South Korea. I was there on a scholarship to study Korean language and culture. I majored in that from the University of Copenhagen. So I got the scholarship. I went. At the time, I was practicing uh, martial arts as well. I was doing uh, Korean martial art. I was living in a martial arts gym. Oh, wow. Hard, hardcore. Yeah. <laughs> hardcore. Um, and I would pay with the, you know, I would pay rent with, uh, with English lessons. Koreans just loved English lessons back then. They probably still do. And I was living there. I was training, practicing with the people there. And, um, you know, in, in Korea, the martial arts gyms probably like very much like in the States, it's, it's, it's professional. And um, you would, in, in Denmark at least, you would have a physiotherapist come drop by a martial arts gym or any kinds of gyms anyways. But in Korea, at this particular gym, they had an acupuncturist come down once in a while uh, with his needles. And uh, he would ask around if there were, you know, anyone with any problems. And he came around to me and he asked, well, you know, anything you need fixing? And I had knee injury, uh, which I've been... Uh, which has really bothered me for years on end. You know, I it's the typical story. I went to see any different kind of doctors and one wanted to operate. You know, the other one said, well, you have to just train some more and you know the drill. Oh, yeah. A bunch of different opinions. And, and eventually you figure, I'm going to live with this for the rest of my life. It's just part of the landscape. Yeah. And I was 20 years old and practicing martial arts with knee pain. And it was, yeah, you know, bothersome. So I, I, I pretty much do anything to get rid of the, the mm -hmm. knee pain at that time. And when he asked me, I said, yeah, all right, go ahead, do whatever you do. Uh, I have no idea what, what it is. I've never heard about acupuncture before, never seen a needle. And uh, the guy brings out the thickest needle. <laughs> and and he, he starts rubbing it in his hair. Oh, no, seriously. And, uh, yeah, yeah. He was rubbing it in his hair. And so I was thinking, what, what's going on? What's I mean, going on? Well, let me think. So needle in the hair, they didn't really have silicon-coated needles, so you just use hair grease to make them go in easier, maybe. Well, I actually had an explanation for that, but mm. I'll, I'll get to that in a little bit. Um, well, when he was done with that, he would just um, tell me to brace. <laughs> and uh, he would uh, do four points on the opposite side of my knee pain. So I had knee pains on the left side, and he would treat me on the right side. And it hurt. It really, really hurt. I'm glad he told me to brace, and I did it. And <laughs> yeah. But 30 seconds later, no pain in the knee, never came back. 30 seconds. As in ever. 30 seconds. He went in with the needle, out four times, pain gone. Wow. Yeah, it was amazing. It got your attention, huh? It did. It changed my life around completely, 100%. From wanting to study uh, culture and language and such, to I just needed to, you know, pursue um, a career of acupuncture. I just knew that was what I wanted to do. And getting back to the hair, I, I asked him about that, and he said that would that was for cleaning the needle. <laughs> it, it, you know, being 20 years old, discernment not too good in anything. So I just okay. Yeah. Whatever. 
yeah, yeah. but it, it stuck somehow. And, you know, when I think back now, I'm just glad I didn't get any kind of infection or whatever, what yes. have you. I, I can remember needle kits that I saw for the very high-level acupuncturists that were in the early part of the 2000s working in the, uh, like the famous doctor clinic mm. in Beijing at the Beijing Zhongyao Dashui, the Beijing uh, Chinese Medicine School there. And they would have these little kits that they put the needles in. And they just kept the needles in the kits. And they'd like take a needle out and they'd like rub it with alcohol and stick it in and, you know, take it back out and stick it back in their kit. That was my first needle kit in Korea. Yeah, it was. Because- <laughs> oh, man, it's come such a long way. <laughs> yeah, fortunately. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Man, well, you know, from the moment I got the acupuncture, I just knew that I wanted to study acupuncture. And a friend of mine, who was also a Danish guy studying uh, Korean language with me, he, he knew of this uh, doctor who was uh, willing to teach us a little bit, again, for English lessons. Mm-hmm. What a great deal. Yeah, it was great. So uh, a few months after my first uh, treatment, we started studying uh, very basic stuff. So that was great. And I eventually had to return to Denmark. We didn't learn that much, um, but I knew I wanted to move on with this. So I I came back home to Denmark. I actually dropped out of university Mm -hmm. because I wanted to study acupuncture. Wow. It really changed your life that quickly. It it did. It did. It it really did. Much to my parents' dismay. Sure. Of course. Yeah. To do what? Acupuncture? Yeah. What the hell is that? Nobody knew at that time in Denmark. I mean, it was seriously, there were not like 20, 30, 50, maybe 50 practicing acupuncturists at that time in Denmark. In the country. Who, yeah, who were really tra- well-trained acupuncturists. Yeah. I, I had more than that in my zip code in Seattle. <laughs> well, mind you, Denmark is a small country. It's only about, well, at, at that time, about 5 million people. So, what uh, What year is this? What year is it that you're dropping out of school and... Going Nine, full into 96, 96, 97. Yeah. I yeah. came back from Korea in 97. And then um, I needed a school to study at, but there weren't really any ones in Denmark. And I was fortunate enough to be offered to stay with a um, Korean doctor in Los Angeles and mm-hmm. was accepted to Tungok Rol University in uh, Los Angeles, in Koreatown there. So you've had this Korean influence... Yes. In your acupuncture since the very first moment. Since the very first moment, yes. Yeah. I did. Um, so in, I went to Tungkuk Royal University and started studying there, but it was basically, it was TCM style. Sure. Because we have to get licenses and that's what you have to learn. Yeah, exactly. But you don't really do TCM. You're, you're kind of a Japanese practitioner, as I recall. Well, yes, but uh, I did start... With the TCM, mm. um, I had to return to them due to personal reasons and finish my studies here. And in the meantime, they actually established quite a good school, which is, uh, yeah, still going strong. And it's 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 very, um, yeah, it's actually quite good for TCM. And I finished my studies there and and started a clinic quite soon after um, graduating, and I was practicing TCM. Uh, for about four or five years, I think, mm-hmm. and um, that was that was all right, but it was nothing like the thirty seconds I experienced in Korea. Nothing. You knew there was something else. 
Yeah, there was something else. Yeah, you knew it could be really powerful. Exactly. But obviously, I was a beginner. And so I started uh, looking for other ways of doing acupuncture. I knew about the Korean ones, but I didn't have any access. And I wasn't about to leave for Korea to learn that or to stay there again. Uh, because in the meanwhile, I got married and, you know, things, life progress and things mm -hmm. happen, right? Of course. So... I've always been reading a lot and I found a few books and I found one actually by uh, Masakazu Ikira Sensei, who is a Japanese, well, quite well-known Japanese acupuncturist. He does a lot of stuff or used to at least do a lot of um, seminars in both the States and Australia, he published quite a few books that have come out in, in translation, uh, in English translation as well. And when I saw his book, I just knew I, I yeah. That was uh, something I needed to pursue. Uh -huh. It spoke to you. It did. It did. What What was it that caught your attention about his writing? It was. It was he. Ikeda Sensei has this way of taking classical theory and making it understandable and practical, so you can actually use it in clinic. Mm -hmm. So he has a way of translating the classics. Uh, yeah, so it's ready for use, really. And the the book he he wrote it was very beautifully translated as well, uh, and it was quite coherent. Mm -hmm. This uh, is in English, totally or this it is, was in, translated in into English. English. Yes, yeah. okay. yes. Do you yeah. recall the yeah. name of that book? Uh, it was classical acupuncture in action, or something like that. Mm. Um, traditional, yeah, something like that. We can we'll put that in the show notes page for people who might want to look at that. Yeah. And, uh, well, at that time, well, I, I, I got married in the meantime, as I said, and uh, actually I have a Japanese wife and we met in Korea at that time. And I was talking to her about this uh, Ikeda Sensei. I was saying, you know what, yeah, it sounds really good, but, you know, you, you think that would, you know, we could do that? Could could I go there once in a while? And she was, yeah, she was. She thought that would be a great idea. Yeah, why not? Uh, yeah, but I was, you know, for months thinking about this. I'm, I'm quite a mm, little bit. Uh, I, I think too much, so <laughs> I was thinking about this day in day out. Should I do it? Should I? Uh, shouldn't I? You know, and my wife in the end just uh, told me to, you know, you know, stop talking about it. Just write, you know, him. Um, but. At that time, he wasn't available online, so I, I found his uh, top student. Mm -hmm. And you wrote to him? Yeah, I wrote to his top student. And his top student, uh, you talked to Ikra Sensei, and he, he um, uh, asked Sensei if, if I, he wanted to be contacted by me. And, you know, it, it's the kind of traditional route you take. Uh, you go through a student, and he asks the master, and the master may contact you back if you're lucky. Mm -hmm. And uh, fortunately, he did. Kira Sensei wrote me back and said that I could come and study with him. However, there was a uh, condition. Mm -hmm. um, it was uh, the year 2010, and there was a soccer World Cup going on, and Japan would be playing Denmark. <laughs> and the condition was that Japan won over Denmark. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so I rooted so badly for Japan, and luckily they won. So how about that? <laughs> That's hilarious. That's so... yeah. I'm in the middle of watching Ted Lasso right now, which is about soccer. Yeah, I don't know if you guys yeah. have heard about it. Yeah, this is a TV show here, and it's uh, 
Anyway, I'm not, I'm not going to waste your time with it, but um, yeah, soccer is, is a funny thing to me at this moment. So popular <laughs> in every other place of the world besides the United States. Yeah, I, yeah. I know. I, I don't watch much soccer myself, though. Yeah. But, but, but that you were sure rooting for Japan, and it yeah, worked, was. and you got to study with Akita-sensei. I did. And uh, what happened? How? What did that do to your work? Well, I've been visiting him every summer since then, actually, since 2010, and stay with him for a few weeks every year. Uh, and I've been studying his, to, to begin with, his method, really, his acupuncture method, which, which is based on classical texts. Um, he also do, does a lot of herbal medicine, so he kind of bridges those two. Hmm, that's unusual for a Japanese acupuncturist. Yes, yes, it's very unusual. And he's doing the crude herbs as well. It's not, it's not powdered, it's not formulas. Um, and he's very close to the Xiang Han Lun uh, with mm. his Chinese medicine, but also tries to uh, somehow bridge Xiang Han Lun and the Neijing and uh, all the other classical texts, really. And that was, I mean, I studied his, tre- his way of treatment. I treated like him back in Denmark, and that was way better for me than TCM was. It just fit me better. Mm-hmm. So were your were your clinical results better, or was it that it was just a style of working that made your day more fun and interesting? Both, really. Mm. Both. So uh, my clinical results got better. I enjoyed my day even more. Uh, but the real thing I learned from Ikira Sensei was how to think, you know, how to uh, take classical text, read this, try to understand it best way possible and try to implement it and see what happens. Try it out, see what happens in clinic. Does it go well? Great. Note it. If it doesn't go well, great. Note that as well and build on that from there and just uh, go ahead and explore really. So, it wasn't a matter of learning protocols and methods. I mean, there was some of that, but what I'm hearing you say is that he had a way of working with the classical texts, really of looking at how different classical texts might, from different perspectives, be speaking about the same thing. I mean, if you take the Shang Han Lun and the Nanjing, these are really different things. Yes, they're looking at health. Yes, they're looking at medicine, but they're very different perspectives. And it Absolutely. sounds like with Akeda, he's finding a way and and teaching a way of digging into the text and finding what does that mean in modern life? What does that look like? Mm. And how do you use it? How can you, uh, yeah, use it in in a, in a real sense in daily clinic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Studying with him made me love Venn diagrams, really. (laughs) Tell me more about Venn diagrams. Venn diagrams, you know, you, you, you draw circles, right? Mm -hmm. And, they overlap, and in the middle you have uh, a, a common thing for each of the circles. So if you would put Shang Han Lun in one circle, or aspects of the Shang Han Lun in one circle, aspects of Nanjing in the other circle, aspects of uh, Neijing in a third circle, you know, in the middle of those circles you'll find something in common, and they do have a lot of common, common. And then instead of looking at the texts individually, I would more look at what they had in common and practice from there. And I would do the same thing with, not just with Chinese medicine, but I would do it uh, with Chinese medicine, Chinese philosophy, Chinese medicine and uh, internal alchemy, uh, all kinds of different things in Chinese, Japanese, Korean 
culture and uh, medicine, really. So that's uh, yeah, what I've been <laughs> doing the past few years. That's cool. Uh, trying You're to find what's coming. Finding what's common. Yeah. You know, I, I think about how often uh, different traditions will look at what's different and stand up for their differences. You know, it's a way of distinguishing yourself. And maybe it's a way of marketing yourself, too, for some, you know, to some extent. So there's, there's that particular human endeavor. But to take some different perspectives and look and see where do they coalesce together. I, I hear you say it. And I think, well, of course, that makes sense. But I hadn't thought about it until you just spoke it a moment ago. Well, it, it's how I learned to study uh, both at university, but also at Ikeda Senses. And it, it, it made a, a lot of sense because every time I was able to see something common, I was able to put it into practice and that would better my results. I would see that, well, most of the time, sometimes it would do the opposite, obviously, but that would be a learning experience and then you could move on. Exactly. So that was the motivation and also that told me that somehow this is, at least for me, the, the way to do it, the way to progress continuously in, in, in understanding the classics and doing the best treatments possible. Hello, everyone. Andrew Sturman here. I've been working with clients in Chinese medicine dietary therapy for over two decades in New York City. My focus is beautiful, simple, delicious, and health-supportive home cooking. Good meals can be inspired by the strategies of classic herbal formulas so that each meal is infused with medical intention from appetizer to dessert. This requires an understanding of the energetic properties of grains, vegetables, meats, fruits, and more, and knowing which foods are moistening, drying, building, clearing, warming or cooling, as well as their directionality. I've organized these teachings in my two-volume book series, Welcoming Food, where you can learn this theory, practice it in your own kitchen, and love doing so. See the positive reviews and incredible testimonials from practitioners and patients who've brought this material into their own kitchens. Welcoming Food Books 1 and 2 can easily be found online, and if you'd like to follow me on Instagram, where I'll be posting cooking tutorials, you can find me at Welcoming Food. Back to you, Michael. Thanks very much. I, I really like this idea of the Venn diagram. It's a new idea. I mean, I know what Venn diagrams are, because you, know, you play with them in math class when you're younger. <laughs> um, one of the things that I've appreciated about this um, method and the model in the way especially that it hooks organ systems together, is I feel like it has knitted together, it has tied together disparate threads of different things I've studied at different times, both in herbal medicine and in acupuncture. It's taken things that I've not been able to quite put together, and it kind of weaves them together. And now I'm thinking, oh, what, what have I taken, start bringing that Venn diagram into it, I wonder what else I might be able to see. Because it seems like there are certain influences that are like deeply integrating. Yes, absolutely. Due to the Japanese influence, and I do like to palpate a lot. And because of that, I do use the, the Nanjing as my main text. Mm -hmm. And if you read that, you see there's a, you have all this five element theory going on mainly. It doesn't look a lot on, you know, like the uh, Sam acupuncture does. It, it takes the six chi. As the main theory, uh, you have the Nanjing who takes the five elements as the main theory, but the prescriptions that Sam came up with, or not came up with, but but discovered, 
really knits five elements or five transformations together with the sex chi. I found the same exact thing. It and it brings a like a three dimensionality to the whole thing. Absolutely. And the fun thing with Japanese acupuncture is all about the pulse and all about the abdomen. And you see, when you use the sound protocols, you will see how that changes the pulse, how it moves chi from one organ system to the other and how it does it. And it's, it's amazing to see that you, you use this five-element protocol because that's really what it is. It's a five-element protocol, but it's acting on the six levels. Yes. That is amazing. Yes. That is really amazing because five elements is usually described as some kind of an inner workings more than an outer working. It's more how chi moves. And then you have the six chi, how chi manifests. And you just see how that really, really knits together and becomes one thing through this um, protocols. It's just amazing. Now, I had a little bit of training in Japanese acupuncture because it was part of what we did at the school that I went to. So I'm, I, I'm not great with abdominal palpation, but I, I do it from time to time. I, I find there's times I focus on it. I, I'm more interested and there's times I forget to do it. And you know, it'll be months and it's like, oh yeah, I should touch someone's abdomen. That, that might be a good idea. See what's going on here. Especially when I don't know what's going on. Like, I, you know, I need something to clue me in here. Abdomen is a very useful reflective area to tell us a lot about a human being, especially if you are palpatory based and you have that training in, in the Japanese methods. I'm curious to know how you're bringing that into the Sa'am work or how the Sa'am work influences that. Uh, tell me more about the Venn diagram of abdominal palpation and Sa'am acupuncture. That is something I've been, uh, yeah, it's been a very interesting work because in, in Japan there's a lot of different uh, schools for abdominal palpation as well as for um, pulse uh, diagnosis and so on. And all of them are actually based on the Nanjing. So that was an easy Venn diagram. It's just go back to the Nanjing because that's what they have in common, really, most mm. of them. Mm -hmm. uh, even the older, uh, even the the herbal medicine ones also have a lot of influence from the Nanjing. So I just went back to that and, that, and I thought, okay, what if I do this? Uh, if I take the abdominal palpation laid out in the Nanjing and look at it in a very literal sense, what happens then? And the Nanjing will tell you that in a certain area, you can feel the deficiency of organs and in another area, you can feel the excess in the organs. And, you know, that corresponds exactly to the Sa'am patterns. So if you would find kidney deficiency, you will find, you, you will also have the uh, small intestine excess, right? Wow. And you'll find that in the abdomen. You'll find it in the abdomen. It will show you. Yeah. And you'll find it in the pulse positions. It will show you and you will palpate the meridians and they will show you the exact same thing. Um, the abdomen, the pulse, the meridians will show you the same things. It will show you which meridian is deficient, which is excess, and it will correspond completely to the Sa'am ways of looking at it. So this is a little mind-blowing for me, and it's very helpful. One of the things that I have struggled with 
in in working with the Sa'am and, and trying to make sense of the Sa'am is finding something written down in one of the classic books, because we're always going back to the classics, right? We like to ground ourselves in that. We like to root ourselves in that because it, uh, you know, helps helps us maybe not go off the rails. Am I making stuff up or am I seeing something that was seen previously by people? So I think it's why it's useful to go back to the classics that way. And I've never found anything in the classics that talk about the organ pairings that go with this Am system. I keep looking for it and I haven't found it, but I, I hear you talk right now about going to the abdomen, going to the body itself and being able to palpate a kidney deficiency and at the same time palpate a small intestine excess. And, and I think to myself, there it is. It's in, it's actually in the body if you know how to talk to the body. Yeah, and it's simple. And it's simple. And it's, it's reproducible. And when you d- if you've done the treatment, when you do it, you will see the changes, the changes you expect or you, you think should happen will happen. So if you tonify uh, the kidneys, you will see the kidney position swell up, the, the kidney position, the pulse swell up with chi. It's gone from the small intestine position. It's, it's really amazing. So you can find it in the pulse if you know how to do that kind of pulse diagnosis. Mm-hmm. And you can find it in the abdomen if you know what to look for in the abdomen. Yes. Okay. So I'm not great with pulses, but I'm okayish with the abdomen. So if I'm looking on the abdomen, because I know there's different systems of palpation on the abdomen, how would I palpate? Where would I look for a kidney deficiency? Where would I look for a triple burner excess? Or where would yeah. I look for, say, a spleen excess? Mm-hmm. Well, this is really one, one of the things about the Nanjing is that it's fairly simple, mm-hmm. fairly, and it's very uh, systematic. So you will find all the excesses above the navel, above the belly button. That's where you can palpate the excesses and you'll palpate the deficiencies around the navel. And specifically for the kidney deficiency, you'll find there's a knot below the navel, a couple of inches below, and you will feel um, tightness in the linea alba running up from the navel up to the cyphoid process. And that's your small intestine or your fire element at least. Mm-hmm. So you have the kidney deficiency, you see it below the navel, and you have the fire or the small, in, in this case, small intestine excess above the navel. And you'll see that reflected in the pulse positions as well. So it's not really complicated pulse reading either. It's, it's not like the 28 uh, different pulse qualities, nothing like that. It's, it's very, very basic excess and deficiency in the pulse positions that will show you the same thing. Uh, all by being in patterns. So this is really uh, pattern medicine, you could say, because the body will show you the exact pattern every time, the pattern in the pulse, the pattern in the abdomen. You don't really have any doubt what to do in most cases because it's so clear. It's nice taking doubt out of the treatment process. Yes, and the great thing about this is it's it's reproducible. Mm -hmm. And you can go back and check with your treatment. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And it's teachable. Of course, like anything you, you do with your hands or anything in acupuncture, it's a skill, it's a, it's a craft. So it takes time, but it, this is fully teachable. 
and it's in the classics. So the the basic instructions are already there. Do you know off the top of your head where in the Nanjing these palpation sections are? Do you know the numbers of them off the top? Oh, of there's your head? There, there's a couple of chapters. Uh, I think one of them is chapter fourteen. There's a couple of chapters that describe these, and for the excess ones, it's chapter seventy-five. Again, uh, offline a little bit later, we can we we can pull this together. We'll put it in the show notes for people so they know sure. where to go look in their Nanjing. The operating manual. It's the palpation <laughs> operating manual for Sa'am, and of course, the Sa'am comes directly from the Nanjing. When when my friend Toby daily teaches this, he's bringing in. Nanjing all the time. This is where it comes from. Yeah, and it, it's interesting because you, know, of course, there's a lot of influence from the, the from the Yellow Emperor, from the Neijing that's talking about the the six qi, and because that's also daily life, and that's what you experience: mm-hmm. cold, wind, what have you, right? So it's very interesting, and and the Buddhist perspective on Sam is really interesting too, because it takes away, it takes a little bit away from the Nanjing, because the Nanjing is. Uh, it's more of a Taoist text, really, more than a Buddhist text. So you can see there are some differences there as well in how you, you diagnose and perceive things. Tell us a little more about the Taoist versus Buddhist perspective here on medicine. Yeah. Uh, well, the Buddhist's perspective is that it's about helping all sentient beings, right? It's about, quotation marks, rescuing people as yeah. best as you can. Saving all sentient beings. Exactly. Big job. And... and yeah, it's a huge job, and and you'll find the most efficient way to do that, especially if you don't have any, you don't have a lot of tools. You have you have a needle, so you just have to be practical about it. And but the main thing that's driving Buddhist is the heart and love, right? The the idea of love, and the Taoists just don't think like that. Mm. The Taoists love motherly love and kindness. Uh, somehow, is a result of your own personal cultivation. It's so that's not your motivation for helping people. Your motivation for helping people is actually saving yourself a little bit because when you help people, you, you it helps you transform into a better person, really. So it, it's a very different perspective. Uh, and the Nanjing carries that a little bit, which is really interesting. That's a whole nother uh, uh, conversation because it's really interesting what it says about or what you can interpret as uh, internal alchemy and you can see the Taoist influences in it. So in a nutshell, Buddhists are doing this from a place of compassion and love. Yes. And Taoists are doing it in a sense to help and cultivate themselves and in the process of doing that, they end up with more love. Exactly. It's a yin and yang kind of thing, isn't it? It is, completely. It is. And what's interesting about the... If you look at it more from the Nanjing perspective, it fits better with the um, the TCM theory, for instance. You, you, it fits better with the organ problems. You, you, in uh, Sam, as it practiced the way I learned it and what I've learned from you know the the course with uh, Toby Daly is that you um, take a more external approach. You see, this person has uh, really bright eyes, so I'll mm-hmm. treat this. And that's it. And, and that's very effective and everything. That's, and it's very visible. And when you learn to observe these uh, traits in people, you, you'll be really, really effective with, with the treatment. Uh, however, the theory is lacking a little bit. Um, they translated the original Sa'am manuscript uh, into English, actually. I have it somewhere. 
uh, and it talks a little bit about theory, but it's it's mainly Neijing theory. When you say it's mainly Neijing theory, mm. what does that mean? That means that it's primarily based on, well, it's it's a part of the Neijing that take that that's uh, describing the six levels or the Liujing mainly. Okay, so we're looking at the Liujing, we're looking at the six qi, yeah, through the Neijing. Yeah. And then we're looking at the five phases through the Nanjing. Exactly. Exactly. And if you look through the lens of the five phases, you're able to look at when, when you see an imbalance, if we stay with the kidney deficiency, uh, small intestine excess, you'll be able to put details on that. You'll see, okay, the, the kidney is deficient. What does that mean? Which part of the kidney is deficient? And how does that show in the small intestine excess? That could be a kidney deficiency or a kidney indeficiency heat problem, for instance. It could be mm. different things as well. But you, you can you can flesh it out a bit more if you uh, if you understand what I mean. That sounds really inviting. Could you take me through a simple case that might help to illustrate this? Sure. I love kidney excesses. I know that's uh, <laughs> a bit of a... <laughs> yeah, I know. Kidney I know. excess. That, that, that's great. But, I mean, most people at TCM would say that's not possible. Yeah. And this is really great because when you look at it from a meridian perspective, it's fully possible and it's not a problem draining the kidneys either. So a very, very simple case I, I had just before joining this conversation was I had a young woman. She had pains in the middle of the sole of her foot. And she's been having that for a couple of months. She didn't really know where it came from. Uh, it's bothering him more and more. Um, and I palpated her. I palpated her foot, obviously, but also palpated the abdomen and the pulse. And it clearly showed that this was an excess in the kidney channel. Excess in the kidney. So what did you find on the abdomen that said that? That was uh, when you palpate the abdominus recti. And they're very tight. And in the middle, it's kind of separating. So you can feel the aorta pulsation behind it. Mm -hmm. And just above the, the navel, there's a, a tightness. So this would be a kidney excess, small intestine deficiency. So obviously, you could choose to tonify the small intestine. However, the pulse mm -hmm. was slow. And according to the Nanjing, when you have a slow pulse, you, you should consider uh, yin organs mainly. And by slow, I mean it was it was about three or four beats per per breath. So that kind of slow. It's not you know slow as in against the clock, but against the breath. Mm -hmm. And it was it was quite slow. And this young woman is in good health, so it shouldn't be slow. Uh, and also, I palpated her kidney meridian on the, on the, the side of the the foot pain. It was on her left foot, and that was very very tense, from all the way from the knee all the way down. It was almost like a, a steel wire. Mm -hmm. So I went to the other foot. And <laughs> she had a wiry kidney channel. Exactly. <laughs> that did not show in the pulse though. <laughs> but so what I did was I went to the right foot and I did the protocol for draining the kidneys. And the bones were slightly misaligned in her left foot and they came, they popped back into place by themselves from the treatment, which was fine. So when you drain the kidneys, you're not really or the kidney channel, you're not really draining the kidneys. It's not a an excess as such. 
you have the kidneys. They have yin and they have yang. You have the kidney qi and you have the kidney fluids. So when the kidney is excess, it's the fluids that are excess. So really, it is a deficiency of yang qi in the kidneys manifesting in an excess of fluids or cold in the kidney meridian. And that would make her foot not function right. There was not circulation enough. The kidney channel couldn't support the bones of her foot. So that was the problem. Wow. Okay. I feel like I need just a moment to wrap my head around everything that you just said because I followed it. Mm Mm-hmm but I can't speak it back to you yet. It's like learning a new language. Sometimes you'll hear something, you'll go, I understand it. But when you try to repeat it back, you don't quite have the words yet because you don't, it, it, the, the construct is not firm. But I'm going to give this a try. Mm-hmm. You were looking at kidney fluids and you're looking at kidney yang as, as kind of counterbalances to each other. Yes. And in her case, the kidney fluids were excess. Yes. And so you wanted to drain off some of that kidney fluid, which would allow the yang to move more freely through the system. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So this is super cool, especially because as I've learned from Toby, never, ever, ever drain the kidney. So uh, uh, let's dig into this a little bit, because what I hear you saying is I drain the kidney fluids, but I didn't drain the kidney. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. And what happens in the pulse, and this is very, very interesting what happens in the pulse when you do that is that you will see, you know, the chi from the kidney position, uh, from the kidney pulse position will drain away and the small intestine pulse will fill. It'll fill. You'll see the counterbalances. You'll feel the counterbalances shift. Exactly. You'll see that and you'll see the foot warm up or feel the foot warm up. I mean, you could also choose to, to tonify the small intestine meridian. Mm-hmm to get the same or close to the same effect, but it doesn't have the same effect. This is really interesting. It, it shows the same kind of seesaw shifting, right? Mm-hmm. But if I choose to tonify the small intestine in this case, it would only have about 50% of the effect. So it matters. It really it, it matters if you read the Nanjing and you, you study your basic uh, Chinese medicine from the Neijing or even TCM for that matter you can start to see how you can be most effective with this uh, fairly or quite simple protocols, really. Yes. And it is simple in some ways. Mm. Sometimes I feel like I'm cheating because it's so simple. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but, but, but I think while the protocol itself may be simple, the four needles in some ways are simple getting the diagnostic perspective correct so that you're doing the right thing at the right time in the right way. Yes. that That's the key. The needles themselves, that part's simple. Any acupuncturist can needle for needle technique. Actually. It, it, oh, maybe not. Okay. We're, <laughs> all right. So we're going to get into that in just a second. But first, I, I need to know how draining the kidney is not draining the kidney, how draining the kidney fluids is different than draining the kidney itself. Is there something different about the treatment? Is there something different about the needles? Is it length of time? How are you making this distinction? It's your perspective. No, it's your perspective. Uh, Because again, if you take the Nanjing perspective, then you have two kidneys and only the left kidney is the kidney. The right kidney is the Mingman. Mm-hmm. So that's the kidney yin and kidney yang. 
So you can drain the kidney position all you want. It's not going to hurt your yuan qi or your kidney yang. It's not possible. Tell me more about that. How's that not possible? Because we've got, we got one kidney and then we got the Ming Man. Yeah. So, okay, and, and you just brought up another thing that I've been banging my head against for 20 plus years. Like, what the hell is the Ming Man? I mean, there's a whole... There's a whole thing there that we could talk about, right? That is That's, such an interesting topic. It's, isn't it? Yes, it, it really is. And it's it's actually really simple. Uh-huh. I'd love to hear your perspective on that. Yeah. You talk about the Ming Mun. Mm-hmm. The Nanjing also talk, you know, in, in the Ming Mun position, pulse position, you see the pericardium and the San Jiao reflected, right? That would be in the uh, right-hand proximal position. So basically what the Nanjing is saying is that since that's your right side, your right kidney is the Ming Men. So the Ming Men is the pericardium and the San Jiao. And one of the big problems with the Ming Men and understanding it is actually that we call the pericardium the pericardium. From my perspective, in my opinion, a very, very wrong translation. How would you translate it? It's called the Xin Bao, which, just, which means the heart protector. Mm-hmm. And the heart protector is not the sac around the heart. The heart protector, according to the Nanjing, has mm. a function but no form, as does the Sanjiao. It has a function but no form. Two basic misconceptions stand in the way of people feeling comfortable using Chinese herbal medicine, even as they are feeling more positive about acupuncture. They are concerned about safety as herbal medicine is an unregulated industry and feel herbs are not effective to treat most conditions. Blue Poppy is committed to meeting all FDA safety regulations. All of their herbal products contain minimal or no filler to maximize potency and efficiency. Their granules are carefully manufactured in GMP certified facilities, and every batch is tested multiple times for pesticides, heavy metals, and microbial content at the manufacturer and by SGS Laboratory, a Swiss certification and inspection company. For over 20 years, Blue Poppy has made quality and safety manufacturing standards their biggest priority, resulting in exceptionally effective herbal formulas. Their years of experience provide you with the best possible herbs so your patients have the best possible outcomes. With free shipping and free dropship service on orders over $50, Blue Poppy should be your favorite place to shop for herbs. Use the code CHI2024 to receive 10% off Blue Poppy products on your next order. Oh, I didn't think about the heart protector as having a function but no form. Mm. I mean, I hear you say it, mm. and it just, it goes like, click. Yeah. There it is. And there's a connection between the pericardium and the triple burner. They both have function, no form. They both have it. And there's an even further connection that is really cool. So... The Shimbao, the heart protector, how does that protect the heart? It protects the heart by taking excess heat from the heart and putting it in the lower burner. It helps to vent excess heat from the heart into the lower burner. That is why you feel the Mingmen or the Shenbao, the heart protector, uh, pulse in the right proximal position of the pulse. Because it is taking the heat of the heart, bringing it down into the Dantian, basically. 
which is not the Dantian at this point, but yes. Okay. Dantian, let me get my language a little bit more clear. It's bringing it into the Mingmun. Yes. Which is actually a little higher than the Dantian now that I think about it. I'm, I'm thinking lower abdomen here. Brings it into the into the Mingmun. I just say lower burner. Into the Okay, we'll just say lower burner. And then, correct me if I'm wrong, that excess heart heat is now turned into physiological fire that the body can use. Exactly. Exactly. Wow. The ministerial fire. It is as simple as that, in my opinion, in, in my experience. And it's very, very useful in clinic because that also, you know, the Mingmen holds the Yuan Qi, the basic Yang Qi of the body. And the left kidney, not necessarily the left kidney organ, but the left kidney uh, like in the position on the on the wrist, right? The, the uh, proximal uh, left position. That's your left kidney that holds the water. Ah, okay. Left kidney or left proximal. Mm-hmm. And oh, this is great, Thomas. This is great. I remember learning this in my first year of school. Didn't really make sense, but I'm hearing you say it now. Left kidney. I'm actually feeling mine right now, just to be in touch with it. There's your kidney water. Right kidney a.k.a. the pericardium and triple burner, there's your kidney water. I mean kidney fire. Kidney fire is on the right, kidney water is on the left. And just to quickly return to the Sa'am system, the Mingmen is actually the key to how Sa'am protocols influence both the five elements as well as the six qi. One of the ways I like to to um, think of classical physiology is just looking at the pulse positions, right? So on the left hand, you have the kidney, you have the liver, and you have the heart in the distal position. And on the right hand, you have Skip Mingman for now, but the, the middle one is for the spleen and the distal one is for the lung, right? That's your five elements. Very simple. Right? You have the, yeah, you've got that. And then introduce the Mingman as the sixth element, really, which is not different from the heart, but it's not exactly the heart that's why it's the ministerial fire right and it also um, that's how five goes to six so in, in in chinese way of seeing evolution you always add one right you have zero you add one and then you add two you have the yin yang you add another one you have the mm-hmm. you have heaven earth man you add another one you have the four directions and so on and so forth right so the mingman is the added one to go from five to six. So you go from the elements, and when you add the sixth one, you can start calling them by the name of the six qi. So the tai yang, the yang ming, the, and so forth, right? So the five elements become the inner workings, and the six qi becomes what is visible in the world, mm. all through the power of the ming man. So no wonder they call it ming man. Life gate door of destiny yes or life if you please again we're having this conversation i think i'm following it it's one of these things where sometimes i hear something and i go oh that's right i don't know how it's right yet i don't have all the details in my mind but everything that you said up until this moment it makes sense it hangs together of course, the trick with our medicine is to see how does it hang together in the presence of our patient and doing the work with them. Yes, absolutely. 
And this translates into diagnosis and treatment directly. So when you when you um, when you diagnose through the abdomen, you diagnose through the pulse, and you check palpating the meridians. You have your diagnosis, and you treat what you see. You'll see the changes, but you'll all in the abdomen and the pulse as well. But you'll also see the changes uh, according to how they would diagnose in SAM. So, if you tonify, correct me if I'm wrong. I'm not quite sure about this. But if you if you tonify the uh, the is it the pericardium you see the diamond eyes or is it the sanjiao I don't remember which one. oh okay so the the sanjiao is the diamond eyes yeah yeah you'll see yeah. that come to life you'll see that come to life when you do that you'll see the drying effect when you've when you've supplemented the large intestine you'll mm-hmm. see these things so the theory is directly applicable and this is really and, and the theory itself I, I I draw a lot of diagrams uh, if you draw them if you draw the diagrams. For this, it is simple to see how it all connects. Uh, we've been quite far around with this conversation, but when you see the diagrams, it makes perfect sense. It's simple, not necessarily easy, but simple. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, simple and easy are not the same thing. No, it shows you the progressions, mm-hmm. the diagnosis, the treatment, and what results to expect. This is wonderful. A little bit mind-blowing, which is why I love doing these conversations. And again, I'm coming back to something that we discussed earlier in this conversation about how I have been searching for something in print that says, here's why and how this um, organ pairs are the are organ pairs and how they function. And it turns out that it is in there, but it's in with the pulses and it's in with the abdominal palpation. Yes, and, and if you can take that and see that, it it informs that particular lens. Yes, absolutely. Great, because I've been looking for something that can. I mean, I know this stuff works. I know this arm is very powerful. Has some firepower. I have messed people up because I'm misdiagnosed, but it is there. And and now I've got some ideas and some directions to follow to to better understand it. Now it's very common, especially as Toby teaches this. And, and there's not a lot of people teaching Sa'am. I mean, Sa'am was one of these things I heard about at first when I was in Taiwan. Mm. It's like, I, but it was like a ghost. I'd hear about it, and but no one really knew about it. Or you'd ask someone and you'd get something, but it wasn't helpful. And I bought a book in English. It was useless. And, you know, so it, it's been kind of a challenging journey. I'm glad Toby wrote that article and we had these conversations and, and now we are where we are. One of the things I hear about with Sam is that you should be using them big honking needles and um, we're having this conversation. We can see each other, but what the listeners can't see is neither of us have hair. So, you know, that important <laughs> part of running a needle through your hair, we can't do it. Big needles, right. strong stimulation, and, and, and it totally cured your knee. Mm-hmm. But you're also a Japanese acupuncturist. I suspect you're a pretty gentle yes. guy. So how does all of that play in your clinic? Yeah. Well, w- when you make the diagnosis, you you find out for sure you know which channel exactly is excess and deficient. Know exactly what you need to do to tonify or to drain. And in the Japanese tradition, uh, when you palpate for points, you palpate for live points. So you you will find the point that is closest to the, uh, 
the textbook location, but shows some kind of change. So for division points, it's soft. It's, it's just soft. Typically, it's, it's like a hole. Mm. And for excess points, they will also be like holes, but that might be a little nodule if, if you rub them a little bit or massage them a little bit, or you'll find some uh, rubbery tension and stuff like that. So you'll just find the point and then use contact needling or just very shallow insertion, wait for the chi to arrive, finish the point, close the point if you're tonifying, leave the point open if you're draining, and you're done with that point. Next point. So if your diagnosis is correct, if your point location is, sorry for the pun, on point, <laughs> and, and your technique is good, you can have stimulated or done a full treatment with a lot of powerful change in a couple of minutes. And even with a contact, even with the tachine. In even with the tachine, even with your fingers. Maybe especially with the tachine from, you know, for the people that really know how to use a tachine, holy smokes, that thing can be a laser beam. Oh, yes, absolutely. So I don't mind using the big gauge needles or anything. It's fine. It's, it's really effective. But it's also an expression. Oh, it's, no, that's, that's the wrong way of saying it. You, you, you introduce the big gauge needle because you don't know or don't haven't learned how to find the point the way you find it in Japanese acupuncture. And there's nothing wrong with that. Absolutely not. Not at all. It gets the job done and it's really effective. And I know I felt it. Yeah. So there's nothing wrong with that. It's just changed your life. It's just different. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's just different. So I, I kind of like to see this way of doing it. You have all the beautiful Chinese medical theories and all these great, wonderful observations they've put into theory, you know, observations of the universe they've put into theory. So you have this beautiful theory. And then you have the Japanese pragmatic, refined touch and the firepower of the Korean psalm mm -hmm. fused together, right? I, I'm a little bit like you in that I really like putting my hands on patients. Mm. And as much as possible, getting information from the body as directly as possible. I've done a little bit of study with, with the engaging vitality work, which sometimes you can just feel chi signatures mm. off the body. And, and you put your hands on the body a lot to see what's happening in the channels and, and what's happening with a point. Uh, it, you know, it had, I mean, I know that the people that developed it, Chip Chase in particular, had a strong Japanese background. Oh, yeah, yeah. In, in that. Mm. Um, but, you, you know, the way I practice it, I, I like, I'm quite sensitive, so I can feel chi. Mm -hmm. uh, I can feel it arrive, I can feel it go, I can feel it do all sorts of things. But to me, it was important to find that physical manifestation of chi as well, because that is teachable. And that is, you, it cannot be ignored, it cannot be interpreted. You know, it, it's there, it's, it's objective. Ooh, I like that. It cannot be ignored. It cannot be ignored and it cannot be interpreted. It's just there. No, it's not up to how you feel about it or how you filter it. It's there or it's not there. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, it's, it, it's, it's really, it's, it brings us back to the very basic or the very core principle of acupuncture medicine, which is tonify deficiency or it's actually in, in Japanese, it's kyoha. Uh, sorry, sorry, kyojits hosha, which means deficiency, excess, tonify, drain. That's mm -hmm. it. 
that's the very basic. It's it's in the Lingshu chapter one or two, I think, as well. Tonify first, train second. Exactly. But the important thing, or the interesting thing about the characters, for you know, I I don't write and read Japanese or Chinese for that matter, but but characters for Kyo and Jitsu or for Shu and Shu are very interesting. The one for deficiency, it shows you that something is invisible. And the one for excess shows you there's something there. It's tangible. So it has to be tangible. At least the excess has to be tangible. And that's usually the way it's easier to find the, the, the problem. It's finding the excess. Find the channel that's taut, stringy, wiry. Finding the position that's excess. Finding the bit in the abdomen that's excess. It's usually easier to see excess than it is to see deficiency. Exactly. And through mm -hmm. Sa'am, you can divine the deficiency through the excess. Mm -hmm. You can also palpate it. And you can listen on the pulse. You can listen on the pulse. And you can do engaging vitality style uh, sensory diagnosis as well to confirm it. Absolutely. But it's, it's completely tangible. Yes. You know, this is the thing that I love about how patient-based acupuncture is that we should be able to make our diagnosis through it and we should be able to feel the results of our work. Yes. And, and, and I think most acupuncturists, I, I can't imagine anybody not wanting to have some kind of method to be able to check ourselves as we go. Because if we're just relying on theory, maybe I'm right, maybe I'm wrong, we'll see next week. But getting feedback in the moment. Yes. Yes, that's... It, it, it's so valuable mm -hmm. to, to us and even more to the patients. Of course. Yeah, absolutely. Of course. And then it helps prevent over-treatment of patients. I think that's something that... I was talking with a person about engaging vitality a few months ago, and one of the things that she sees on a regular basis is people being over-treated. Mm. Oh, yes. you feel bad after a treatment or things get wrong, it may not be that you did the wrong treatment, but you did too much. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. That is, uh, especially in these days where everybody's, you know, exposed to all kinds of stimuli all the time. Uh, and treatment is also a stimuli. Mm -hmm. it's, we stimulate points. No matter if we tonify a drain, we stimulate. We're adding another thing that the body needs to uh, process. Mm -hmm. So it, it's very, very important, at least in my opinion, that we do as little as possible, of course, expecting a good effect, you know. But the, the minimal dose, I think you call mm -hmm. it, right? The minimal dose. Yeah, minimal dose. Minimal yeah. effective dose. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, Thomas, I'm very excited about going and digging back into my Nanjing a bit and uh, taking these ideas that we've been talking about here today. It, uh, again, it all makes sense to me, but I, I don't feel like I'm very verbal with it yet. And I'm certainly not facile in clinic with it in the way that you are, but everything that you've described here today is something that somewhere along the way, someone has shown me something about in the pulse or the abdomen. I may not be using it yet, but I'm going to start looking into it more. So I am deeply grateful 
for uh, this conversation and, and for you sharing uh, the unique experience that you've had and, and bringing in the lenses of the Japanese acupuncture and the abdominal palpation in particular and how all of this hangs together and all moves through the Mingmun. Again, something I, I feel like I've not understood well and I wouldn't say I've got an answer, but I certainly have an inquiry. Great. Well, yeah. Anything else that you would like to share with the geological listeners before we wind this down for today? Not really. Uh, it, it's been a pleasure having this conversation with you, Michael. Um, you make it easy to uh, participate in the conversation. Uh, so I'm really grateful for that. Well, this has been a lot of fun and incredibly informative. And I've got a feeling we're probably going to have to like do a part two or something else because I'm going to have more questions. I can guarantee you that. And we need to uh, circle back to the Danqian thing. Okay. Let's come back another time and talk about the Danqian. That sounds like a great place to start. <laughs> Thanks so much for your time. This has been a real pleasure. Likewise. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Michael. Since beginning to explore this Sa'am method, I've been looking for something in the classics that speaks to the Sa'am organ pairings, and I've come up with nothing. But what I did find when I sat down with the Zhu clock, the Chinese clock, was that the Sa'am pairings were another way of matching the organs within the triads of Taiyin Yangming, Xiaoyin Taiyang, and Jiayin Xiaoyang. But instead of going with the yin-yang five-phase pairing of, say, metal, which would be the lung and the large intestine on the arm, or the tie-in pairing of the great channel that goes from the spleen on the foot up to the lung on the arm, instead, Sa'am pairs tie-in metal lung of the arm with the yang-ming earth stomach of the foot. Pause for a moment and consider the potency of using both arm and leg channels that have a dynamic that includes yin-yang, the five phases, and the six qi. Curious, isn't it? That it's right in front of us, but we don't usually look and see that pairing. In this conversation with Thomas, we got a glimpse into how the pulse and the abdomen are used in Japanese acupuncture, which also has its roots in the classic. And like me looking at the Zuo clock, Thomas has looked at the abdomen and the pulse and noticed how these Sa'am correspondences are there as well. Beyond that, these are helpful pairings and dynamics to know about and use in your clinic. What stands out most to me is that in time as we learn to navigate through clinic and learn from experience, often painfully gained, that there are reliable signposts, there are predictable markers that help us to both understand the imbalance afflicting our patients and also help us to navigate as we apply treatment. Thomas will be joining us next month on Saturday, December the 11th for a geological live seminar on the pulse and abdominal mappings of the Sa'am organ pairings. Even if you have not studied the Sa'am method, this discussion will give you a glimpse into another way of considering how the organs interact with each other and 
especially if you're a hands-on practitioner, then you'll be able to start looking for these dynamics in your clinical work the next time that you put your hands on patients. Thanks as always for listening. If you liked this conversation, if you learned something new or found a moment of inspired insight, share the episode with your friends. If you want to support Geological, there's just one way to do that. It's by going to the website and becoming a member or leaving a one-time contribution today. Well, folks, that's it for today. Join us again next Tuesday for another conversation that connects up the voices of our community. Mm-hmm.